You are listening to the Boss Level Podcast. Last week, the largest newspaper in Finland, Helsingin Sanomat, published a story on Boss Level Podcast. I think the article turned out pretty good. Although, I must have looked malnourished in the photo, since I've received numerous offers from people wanting to buy me lunch. Anyway, if you missed it, the link to the article is in the show notes. This episode is sponsored by Swan Lake Strategy. Swan Lake Strategy helps companies turn uncertain futures into new business opportunities and future-proof strategies. We all operate in a hyper-connected world that is constantly evolving and changing direction. Customer preferences shift, new competitors emerge, the world keeps getting more connected, and we need to fight global warming. Where should you place your bets when the game keeps changing? Swan Lake combines a unique set of skills and expertise. They create unique solutions and game-changing strategies boosted with mathematics. Eva Vilkuma, one of the people behind Swan Lake Strategy, has been a guest on this podcast. We discussed how companies can develop mathematical models to support their decision-making. I learned a lot from that episode and I suggest you listen to that episode right after you finish this one. Together with Swan Lake, you can tap into emerging business opportunities, prepare for the unexpected, and shape the markets to your benefit. Go check out Swan Lake's website and learn how to turn uncertainty into new business and growth. SwanLakeStrategy.com My guest for today is Oli Salo, and the topic is Enterprise Agile. If there's someone who knows about this stuff, it's Oli. He's published studies on it, but he's also worked hands-on in very large transformations. A rare combination. In case you're worried, this is not going to be a discussion on safe versus less or anything like that. We don't really talk about frameworks or models or methods. We talk about the factors that enable a successful transformation. I hope you enjoy the episode. Remember to share it with your friends and, well, your enemies too. So, Olli, let's just start with some basic. Who are you and what do you do? My name is Olli Salo, a partner with McKinsey & Company. Uh, been in McKinsey for 16 years and since 2014, pretty much only been doing what we call enterprise agile transformations uh, and doing those around the world, one or two in Finland, where, where, I, where I'm from, but mainly in uh, in Europe and uh, New Zealand and Australia and n- now in, in Africa as well. And, and what kind of industries have you been working with? I've been working across a wide variety of industries. So the first few transformations, they were mainly in banking. Uh, then 2016, uh, there was a big wave with teleco, which is still going on. So teleoperators in Europe, in, uh, in, in Australia, New Zealand. And that was also my focus for, for a couple of years. Uh, after that, retail, so just you know, different retail companies uh, around the world, uh, and after that, oil and gas. So you know, surprisingly, mm-hmm. agile methods actually are, are quite important and critical when you're you're operating uh, offshore and onshore oil and gas assets and, and other kind of energy assets, energy transition, and so on. Uh, a bit of healthcare, and then uh, also uh, aviation, so airlines, which is another industry which surprisingly needs a lot of. A lot of agility to actually now build back from the uh, from the COVID 
and, and really start to deliver customer value and, and, and schedule flexibility and, uh, and different improvements in, in a much faster way. Yeah, well, that's a broad range of different different domains. Uh, and actually, what's also interesting is that some of those are, I think, generally considered fairly traditional. Yeah, and I think the big mix, misconception has been that Agile is somehow something to do with software or, or kind of high tech and, 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 and so on. It's actually a, a lot of the, the core principles. And, and let's go back later and what is kind of core and, and what is not. But a lot of the core principles are actually very applicable also in, in, in you know a lot of kind of traditional or, or, or kind of less less high-tech uh, environments <laughs> yeah so uh, b- how about before McKinsey what what's what's kind of your path to McKinsey I've been in McKinsey for a long time so 16 years and and before that I was a bit of a research nerd at the university yeah. so uh, come from Aalto, Aalto University and uh, an industrial engineering and management and and kind of Doing research there, uh, being a course assistant, really trying to understand how to make how to make companies perform better, how to make organizations perform better. Also studied a bit of sociology, with the same question of like how to make groups of organizations or group of groups of individuals perform better and, and and actually kind of interact better. So it's always been a passion of like how to how to make the world a better place by actually yeah. helping organizations become better. I actually remember this when you uh, switched from Aldo to McKinsey, and I remember thinking that, that that's quite a shift, I would think, in, in kind of the the pace of, of work and, and the kind of things that you'll you'll be working on. Do you still remember what was that like, shifting from a researcher role to a, to a fairly, uh, I would say, probably fairly hectic uh, role uh, within McKinsey? I enjoy a lot the speed and, and the kind of the access and, and working directly with real problems. Uh, I also enjoy the the academic rigor of actually getting you know deeper and honest and and, and really trying to understand what you know what is the real thing and not trying to come with the, with the easy answer. Uh, but I just think McKinsey is the, is the place where I've been able to combine those. So get super nerdy and deep and and dig into like what's the way to 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 actually get benefits out of, of, out of agility. But then also play back those findings in a real setting and, and deliver the value. So it's kind of combining theory and practice. Why are you interested in large scale agile? Why do you think that that's something that that you should be working on or that will have a positive impact? In earlier you know years in consulting, I, I worked a lot with organization uh, design, organizational structure, and, and and so on. And you know sometimes it will be greatly successful, uh, but quite often. You know, we will be doing a big reorganization, for example. And I remember this one one case we spent, you know, six months designing a new organization. We would define the the roles and the the KPIs and the and the reporting structures and you know quite a big of you know, ten thousand people and then going from a kind of product to a service focus and and then you know, last day before the launch, uh sitting together with the with the CEO and and kind of writing the announcement email and the CEO told that, you know, most important sentence that's put there somewhere in the beginning and the end is that uh, despite the changes, you know, keep working exactly as you were working before. So don't <laughs> let this disturb, di- don't let this disturb your day to day. And that got me a bit, you know, worried that, you know, why, why did I just spend, you know, six months of my life? And I mean, the results were great, but, you know, the question bugged me that, you know, uh, did we really transform the organization or did we kind of put it in, in, in different shape and form? And, and that led me then to, uh, to to go back to academia, so I, I took a year of study leave in in, in 20, 2014 and, and went to actually study in in, in Aldo again. That what what really drives drives performance of companies? Like what are the practices or the ways of working that really actually move the needle 
And from there, what came up was it's like three practices. And uh, it was sense of belonging, teamwork, and working across silos. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting because we had a lot of other really great practices that we were kind of candidates for correlation, but they didn't really correlate with EBITDA growth. And and then at the same time, of course, this was when the when the, the Lalu book came, you know, this was the I don't know, Summer of Love 2014, you know, 15 <laughs> and all that when yes. when when you know Teal was was uh, yes. was kind of coming out and and I also did a lot of kind of work. I think we we crossed paths there, you know, at the at the reactor where you were working yeah. and kind of started to actually understand what are these kind of smaller smaller startups, what are they doing and how they're organizing and and all that start to let in this idea of like there's probably a way to run companies that is different than the classical uh, you know multi layered bureaucratic uh, hierarchical way of organizing that was then then common in in corporations and that way is probably applicable in uh, in large scale companies as well and, and that kind of uh, that that thought then has been bugging me ever since and and that's why the past mm. past eight years been only doing enterprise agility mm. so essentially what you really like deep down what you're interested in is kind of organizational design and how to make organizations work better and agile is just uh, one way for you to move forward with with this. Am I getting you correctly? Yeah. Before we go deeper into this topic, when we talk about Agile, what do you specifically mean? What I mean with Agile, it could be all called many names. You know, it could be called modern enterprise or decentralized organizations, or, or you know, just you know, whatever you call it. But for me, it's the idea that if you take a company of, let's say, a thousand people, and you know, the classical way to think of that would be, you know, a thousand people, that means, you know, 10 layers, 10 departments, you know, marketing, sales, data, developers, testers, you know, 10 departments, you know, about 10 months or 10 years to get anything done. Because, you know, the thing has to go through all of the of the different layers and departments. And, and if you think of that in the agile way, you would say, you know, let's reimagine that as a hundred really, really great high-performing teams. And, you know, some of the teams might be kind of software and business oriented. Other teams might be, uh, you know, just sales and, and service together, like, you know, di- different types of functions together, but a hundred teams that are really high performing and, and with a really great uh, and clear goal with all the skills it takes to deliver, uh, you know, with, uh, with strong cohesion, you know, sense of belonging, you know, working together, you know, as a, as a team of, of, of 10. And, and that's half of the story. And then the other half is, you know, if you have those hundred great teams, how do you hold them together? So how do you make sure if, if they have their own purpose and mission, what's the overall purpose and mission? What's the glue of the organization? If they have the skills in the team to deliver, so they would have great engineers or, or marketing per people and so on, how do you make sure you, they're not, you know, everyone uh, kind of, you know, one-man show? How do you build the standards and the consistency and the platforms across the different teams? You know, if the teams feel cohesion, you know, what is the overall culture and the, and the, and the, and the talent approach and the leadership uh, and so on of the company? And finally, if the teams are prioritizing their own work, how do you decide as an organization which 100 teams should you have? So really there's two mm-hmm. ideas. So 100 great teams and then a stable backbone to, to keep the teams together. And, and, yeah. and that, that for me is the, the, the agile organization. And before we delve into what that what that means in practice, let's first talk a little about the results that we can achieve with this. So what are the kinds of results that you see in companies that start adopting this these practices or these ways of organizing the company? For many years, when asked about the impact of agility, we would 
give individual case examples. And th- the results were quite amazing in those individual cases. You know, in, in, in a lot of places where we, where we did this from a customer centricity point of view, you would actually quite quickly see the customer journeys really pick up in the net promoter scores or the uh, customer satisfaction scores. And, and the trick was that for the first time, you actually had people across the business really caring about the particular journey. What we then did a year ago, we actually decided to, to study, like, is this like individual, you know, selection bias? Of course, we all, all like our individual stories and we, we, we claim that to be the, the truth. So we actually did a bigger research, you know, back to the research nerd uh, point, mm-hmm. uh, and we studied about 800 agile transformations uh, yeah. with, the, with the McKinsey Quarterly to really ask, you know, why did you do it? The typical reasons companies go for for agility is, is customer centricity, and you really see a a kind of thirty points boost in satisfaction. And you know, other other reason would be efficiency, and and we start to see like you know twenty, thirty, forty percent less capacity needed to do the same output or or more output with the same capacity, and and same with speed and so on. So we we kind of see a step change, and if you net all of that together, uh, a highly successful agile transformation. So the kind of the top third of transformations triples your chance of being a top quartile performer among peers. So, wow. which is kind of, you know, quite a powerful, uh, powerful statement. But now with the, with the fact base, you know, you can actually, actually make that. <laughs> you can actually say it. <laughs> yeah, you can actually. So, so doing a good agile transformation triples your chance of being a top quartile performer among peers. I think that's the, that's the kind of the punchline. That's that's really impressive, and and one of the things that's interesting about this is when you talk about uh, customer centricity, for example, that's something that's been around for forever, and and one way of thinking about this whole thing is that you could achieve these similar results, and and the the same things should emerge if you s- simply start looking at your organization from the customer's viewpoint and try to organize around that. But the hard part is that that's really hard to do. It's really hard to, for you to figure out what does that actually mean? How do I adapt to this? And how do, how do I make this happen? And I guess one way of looking at this is that Agile kind of provides you some rules of thumb or some ideas on how to get started and some things that have worked in other contexts. And it's much easier for you to get started like that than it is to kind of take a look at your organization from the outside and start designing it from scratch without any blueprint for it. So I think that's that's the really interesting part of any any journey is to think that, you know, if you have those hundred teams or in, you know, many cases, you know, thousands of teams, what's the right way to arrange them? And, and where can yeah. you where can you go along the customer? And and that indeed is the is the default principle often. Uh, but then you know what is the customer? So we were doing this this work in a in a refinery, uh, nickel nickel refinery, and you know the the traditional approach would say that you know hey the customer is the is the stock exchange where you sell your nickel, but that customer doesn't really care about a lot. They just you know did I get the refined nickel and you know the purity problems you know were solved like a decade ago. So it's like you know it's it's standard you know bulk product, but then we said actually the customer is the nickel atom. And and then you start to look at the thing. So you know, if if your customer is the nickel atom and it kind of flows through your production process, maybe you know maintenance and operations and engineering and procurement should actually be in a cross-functional team for each of the product steps. So be it you know leaching or 
or uh, or you know crushing and grinding and so on of, of, of the different uh, steps and and when you do that you have a completely new way of looking at the refinery which is like let's build it around the, the flow chart in a way uh, and and so it's really kind of identifying what is the what is the dominant logic is it the customer journey is it you know individual products and and, and and this is one of the interesting things in different industries. It's like what is the what are the, the kind of dots to connect? What is the dominant uh, logic? And and for example, in an airline, in an airline where 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 we have been applying this, the the big question became that you know what does an airline actually do? Uh, and and yeah. what is the what is the what is the kind of the way to because obviously there's a customer journey. So you know some of the squads are looking at. You know, when I come to the airport and I want to drop my baggage, you know, how do I do that efficient way? And and you know, so there's a customer journey, but actually, airlines are are much more around the flights because people don't pay for the customer experience. So the the distance between A to B is what you are what you're kind of minimizing in a way, and and then that goes into the whole thing of like in a classical airline, no one actually cares about the individual route in a way. So there's a group of people caring about the, the revenue side so how do we how do we maximize the, the value of, of, of each ticket there's a group of people caring about the, the operational side obviously and there's a group of people caring about the cost side and so you have metrics like you know what is the revenue per, per kilometer what is the cost per kilometer and, and so on and then when you start to do it from an agile design you go why don't we look at the margin per kilometer why don't we bring together the different reasons and really start to look at you know how do we how do we get, make the a to b as as profitable and, and and kind of good experience for the customer as possible and and it's, it's always just kind of you know similar in a in a teleoperator the ones who go agile normally rediscover products and yeah. because in a, in the in a classical organization of teleoperator you tend to have a group of people looking at the user experience a group of people looking at the commercial of the product and a third group who is doing the actual uh, backend systems and, uh, and the kind of the OSS uh, type of uh, type of changes, and they're disconnected by a lot of different processes and yeah. capex allocation and so on. Then you bring them together and say, you know, you are actually the mobile product unit, and you have the designers, you have the product people, you have the you know data science, you have the actual developers to do that, and you're responsible as a team for the gross profit of this product. And that becomes like the, the defining logic. So it's really finding like what are these dots to connect in, in the different uh, different industries and different designs, and how how do I build those hundred teams, you know, around around real value? It's actually really great to hear you talk about this because what you're talking about is these organizations having discussions on fairly fundamental uh, issues or things around the organization so what is it what are we really about who's our customer what's what's important for our customer and you kind of start with that you start by understanding that better and that informs how you design the organization yeah and it's i I think it's really great to hear that because at least from my viewpoint when i started started agile projects decades ago i i think we started from the the other side we just had these practices that we started applying and they had no impact on the organization and and no impact on on our understanding of the customer and so on and it's just really great to hear that 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 shift has finally happened because that was something that we discussed back then a lot that this needs to change the whole organization and so on but we didn't have the tools or or the the stories or the research backing that that you now have and it's really awesome to hear that this is where things are going yeah yeah i think it's 
it's essential for Agile that you start from the value angle, not from the existing teams and departments angle. And sometimes like being a bit new to an industry helps. And I remember this one retailer, which was the one of the first retailers to go Agile. And, and we started to have these kind of fundamental discussions, like what does a retailer head office actually do? And, uh, and they would say, yes, well, we do. We do kind of, you know, we have a marketing and then we do sourcing and we do logistics. Okay, but that's that's very complicated. Like, what do you actually do? And and don't you kind of you like buy cheap and then you sell expensive and then you do it many times per 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 year? That I remember I remember that from school. Like you know, turns and earns. And, <laughs> and then then we start to ask like, who actually in the head office cares about the individual category? So you know, if you look at our our fruits, for example, no one except the CEO owns the total you know, turns times earns, you know, because it, it is it's about the assortment. It's about the purchasing. It's about the buying. It's about the merchandising and logistics. And and and, and so all of these departments are trying to optimize their, their own thing, but no one really, you know, cares what's the difference between the price we bought it in and the price we, we, we got it out and, and how many times we do that per year. So then, and then, you know, rebuilding the entire company, you know, hundreds of teams around categories. So here's a cross-functional team owning, you know, fish, Let's get the, the best yeah. fish with the cheapest price, and let's sell it with the with the with the best margin, uh, and 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 really changing the logic, which used to be like around this kind of functional specialties. But here's a fish yeah, team, yeah. and then obviously you know customer journeys in the shop and all of that. Also other teams, but every team has to answer the question: How are we? How are we helping the stores perform? How are we helping the company actually do something? And the answer cannot be where the marketing department. How are you helping the stores perform? So it's linking all our activities and departments back to the either the purpose of the company or the, the customer or the things that are important for the business. Yes. Back in my consulting days, one of the constant discussions was about how to get buy-in from the top management. That was a thing that we kept discussing, that how do we get the, the CXOs to be interested in, in this agile thing? Do you still see this or hear this discussion, or do you feel that that, that buy-in now exists? I think kind of the, the hunger and the appetite for a radically different operating model is now at kind of record levels. And indeed, in our in in our study, I I think last year when we did the survey, only was it like only a fifth of companies said you know we're not considering a transformation or, or already done it or you know born agile. But a fifth were saying you know this is not for us. You know, eighty percent are have either done it or or are doing it or or you know did it years ago and so on. Then there is, however, a big question of like how do you successfully do it? And yeah. and unfortunately, you know, one of the big Lessons from the from the research was also that uh, you know only about thirty percent of the transformations really succeed in bringing these mm-hmm. great benefits. There is a like a recipe for for boosting that to seventy five percent, not to hundred percent, but to seventy five percent. If you do four things right, step one being that the top team has to get it, and this means you know this is not a bottom up transformation. This is not something you can just you know, order or read from a book or or outsource and so on, you know, you actually have to spend time as a, as a top team to to really understand what you're about to do and why and what it really means also for the top team. Uh, and and the way I think the, the most successful companies do it is by visiting others who've already transitioned. 
you know, the second thing you need to do is, is actually be intentional and go after value. And this means, you know, it's not about, you know, waiting for agility to emerge bottom up or, or having a, a kind of passive stance to it or, or trying to, trying to, you know, build a separate transformation unit that will kind of do it. But it has to be a, a kind of intentional line led value driven uh, transformation where you set clear goals. And then you say, okay, we're going to do, you know, in a, in a big transition or we're going to go in waves, but it's actually led, led top down. And, and this is, of course, you know, a great irony of agile. It's, it's a kind of a bottom up operating model. But if you want to reach agility, you have to, you have to start top down. Uh, the third thing they do is, is actually drive comprehensive change. So this is not just about those uh, agile teams or squads or chapters or whatever. You actually have to, you know, change the entire operating model. So strategy and structure and processes, people and culture and technology. And finally, the the fourth thing was you have to do it fast because we asked how long did you take? And if you took more than 18 months, your chance of success seemed to tank. So there's something of like, you have to, you know, it cannot be like an always ongoing transformation. It has to have a beginning and an end. And 18 months seems to be a, a kind of max time to do it. Within that, doing front runners or doing it kind of fully in a specific part of the business, not the department, but the kind of an end-to-end part of the business, uh, also, you know, boost the chance of success significantly. So it's really like, you know, doing it fast. I, I think the first Three, uh, top team has to get it being intentional and driving com- comprehensive change. I think those actually sound fairly like clear, but I, I think the most surprising for me was this, you have to do it fast. Even though like now that I think about it, it does make a lot of sense. I mean, um, the, simply the, the fact that if, if, if there's a change initiative that goes on for years and years, it starts to go stale. It starts to feel like that this is, this is weird, that this keeps going. But then on the other hand, this is kind of, slightly controversial because one thing that we also keep talking about in in agile is something that that you kind of have to make the change a constant that that yeah. there needs to be this dna change in the company that there are no projects anymore yes. that this this adapting is something that we do all the time so what are your thoughts on that yeah no i i, I fully agree and i think i have two two reflections on that and i think the first one is if you take a typical kind of big bang or, or kind of a single transition type of transformation where, you know, we, which I've been doing quite many, where you take those, you know, two, 300 teams and you pretty much launch them in one go. So you spend a bit of time, you know, you have your front runner, so you take a first, you know, 20, 30 teams, but then for the next batch, you take 200 teams and you, you transition them in one go. It doesn't mean that day one, they're all happy singing, dancing, fully matching, mature agile teams. But it does mean that from day one, the structural impediments are pretty much removed because you've changed the backbone, right? So you have a funding mechanism that is based on products, not projects. You have a culture change agenda, at least, so people know the expected behaviors. They're rewarded for the right behaviors. You have a management structure aligned to value, not functional departments. And so so you kind of, you've done the the, the ceilings because like the bottom-up way of doing agile is kind of, you take one team, and then you coach them and, and, you know, help them. And like, you know, three weeks later, they reach the first ceiling, you know, oh, the management doesn't support agility or whatever. And then, then you complain about that for six months and then you give up, right? So it's kind mm, of, it's removing yeah. the ceilings and then planting, you know, 200 seeds or whatever, like, uh, and, and then, then letting them mature. So of course the, the maturity 
happens. But also on an organization level, as the second point is that, you know, it's not the change ends. You, it, it's not that, you know, one day you, you take then the, the list of teams and you take a lamination machine and you laminate your, your org chart <laughs> and say, now we are agile and, you know, never touch it again. It is a constantly changing model. But I think the kind of the transition to a constantly changing model needs to be fast. And then once you're there, then you are constantly changing. One of the discussions that uh, that you sometimes hear about Agile, or actually specifically John Seddon, whom I've interviewed previously on this podcast, keeps bashing Agile about is, is simply that Agile is a way of doing the wrong things faster. What are your thoughts on this? I, I think Agile is one, or maybe there's two, two, two parts to answer, but I think Agile is one field where there's a lot of like, religion and, and fanatics and methods and principles and all that. And I think kind of it's very easy to get lost in those. So whenever, you know, there's something agility is is something or or you know, agility is dead or agility is live or dead or alive or I, I think it's like <laughs> it's I try to stay a bit, you know, outside of that kind of discussion because basically the idea of like should you build high performing organizations? Yeah. Should you know they be based around you know great teams you know probably quite often I, I think those kind of hold true. Then you go into nuances of like you know specific methods and are they kind of promoting innovation and so on. And I think you know you should pick those kind of methods and tweak the different methods so that they support whatever is important in the in the organization. So if you take concretely what we often uh, help our clients put in place is a quarterly business review or QBR. Uh, and which is a mechanism for how do you every 90 days uh, define the uh, the priorities of the organization and based on that reallocate resourcing. So how do you basically set what are your, your 100 teams for the next quarter? Now, in that process, you should for sure cook in the right amount of innovation. In some industries, it means that, you know, you want to every quarter have a bit of like a shark tank or you want to have a, a real discussion and, and you know have you know, five teams that are kind of big bets teams and so on. You kind of hard code it into process and you you make sure you you innovate. In other industries it's it's less about innovation. It happens more in the teams and in your kind of your 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 QBR becomes more a a getting really strict on the on the targets of the individual teams within the context they're in. And then same on the team level, like absolutely you should use methods, you know, Scrum or Kanban or ticketing or digital marketing that are fit for purpose because it's all about, remember, it's all about driving performance. There's no badge for for agility itself. How about let's talk a little about the the challenges and and the obstacles. Uh, What are the biggest challenges that you've seen in these large agile uh, transformations? And, or more specifically, is there something that frustrates you about them? I think the most frustrating ones are when the top team is kind of likes it, but doesn't really know what it is or doesn't really want to go the, the, the full thing. And, and, you know, they go for the, you know, they, they, they don't go for the gold standard, you know, they go for the silver and they water it down into bronze and then tin. And so, so they try to take shortcuts and they try to omit elements that feel painful. And one typical one is, is the people model. So how do we actually pay our people? It's so tempting to say, you know, let's try to, take our existing model based on positions and somehow tweak it to match the, the new flat organization. But we just know it doesn't work and just causes then pain later on the, on the way. Or, or you know, we're going to keep some of the talent we have today who is not working, you know, very well today, but we want to, you know, keep them. And like all of those shortcuts, I think they start to add up and, and, and make the model actually very complex. There is another one, which is like, 
sometimes you have transformations which are really over-indexing on structure and processes and you know agile ways of working and, and so on. So they kind of everything you can nicely draw on a slide, they're doing it. The 80% of stuff, which is really the important one, the culture changes and the, and the leadership changes and all of that, they, they kind of omit. And then, you know, to, to everyone's great surprise, you know, the results are not that that's great because people just feel it's a very alien structure. And so, so I think kind of it's it really the important thing of Agile is to see it as, as these, you know, thousands of individual change journeys. So how do you actually take the individuals through a journey of understanding why is the organization doing it? You know, what is it actually about? You know, what is it really about? You know, seeing their friends in the front runner units, you know, being part of a training event and, and really kind of making sure it's a, it's an individual journey and it's kind of emotional journey. It's not just a, you know, now your new place is this squad, please sign up tomorrow for work. So, so really kind of it frustrates when companies are skipping that emotional part that, that, that people, people part uh, of the change. It's definitely true that there's there's a lot of this culture or things that are around culture and people that need to change. But what are your thoughts on how does that actually happen? Because I, I think like my p- viewpoint on, for example, changing culture is that you need to change the structures for the culture to change. And I think we probably agree on this pretty much that, for yeah. example, incentives are a great example of where like if you don't change the incentives or the, on the, or the compensation models, you're probably not going to have a huge impact on the culture because the existing compensation model will drive a certain behavior and that will win. Even yeah. though you have like have, for example, you go to an offsite and tell people that this is like collaboration is really important and whatever. But if if you don't change the structure around it, that's not going to change. So, what are your thoughts on like if you're saying that that stuff is important? How do you go about changing that? Agile transformations in this sense are are unique because they really change the entire operating model. If you start in a new job, so if you go work in a, in a new place. You know, day one, you're, you are yourself. Day two, you are kind of already starting to look and feel a bit like the people around you. And then you're, you're kind of, you start to kind of become part of the culture. And, you know, day three, you're indistinguishable. So you're either like a startup, you know, hoodie type of person, or you're kind of a corporate bureaucrat. But it's kind of, it, you, you suck in the culture of the environment. And I think with, with Agile, you want to change that environment. So it's, it's a discontinuity. I, I think kind of there's a few ways to to achieve that and, and and one is this like a it's a real transition on, on a person's life so like in the previous week i was a manager in this department now the department no longer exists i am now a let's say a chapter lead or i'm a guild lead or i am a product owner i'm a squad member like you have a new role and then as you're learning what the role is you attend a a real training you know actually multi-day training or what are the skills needed to perform in this role and you kind of you're you're now learning it's like induction to a new workplace in a way then when you come and sit with a team similarly you're actually the 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 whole boot camp then becomes about you know what's the culture we want to build the commitments we want to you know it's a new group of people you come to work on monday and you're actually physically sitting in a different place and it's, it's these kind of artifacts around performance around you, OKRs and so on. And that kind of gives a chance to retell the story of, of kind of who am I and what is my role uh, and, and, and what is this company about. 
it's kind of this discontinuity, I think, which gives the the thing. And then how you build that, you know, and how you select the right leaders. And like, oh, it, there's a lot of things to kind of uh, to in- enable it. But that's fundamentally what it's about. I really like this concept of discontinuity being a, an important thing here. Although at the same time, I feel like uh, one of the ways that I feel I've been successful in some of the agile transformations that I've been a part of has been to kind of trying to also manage the amount of change that we do at at the same time. So if we try to change everything at the same time, there's going to be a lot of resistance for it. Uh, and if there's discontinuity, there's probably going to be more resistant to resistance to it than if we were to do it gradually. Uh, so what are your thoughts on, on that? Because it's would you agree that there is going to be more change resistance if there's a discontinuity? And if so, how do you get around that? I think there is naturally going to be friction, right? It's it's not a smooth thing, but that friction is what the change is all about. Th- there is this element of of being quite decisive and, and actually clear in, in it, and then accepting that there will be some disturbance or, or or there will be kind of change but that's that's what change is right things are different and 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 then that's why why there's a, so I, I i would not be afraid of that now of course it has to be a well thought out journey it cannot be like you know random you know changes but but as, as long as the kind of performance aims are clear you know we are joining now this unit and working in new ways because we want to deliver you know 100 million benefits to our customers and like as as long as that is clear then i think people are willing to live in a bit of like a chaotic environment for a while i think humans uh, if if you know anti-fragility right and the, and the yeah. whole thing of you know humans are anti-fragile so it yeah. means that they they perform better under stress yeah and if you really believe that then you then then <laughs> then you uh, yeah. Then you then you should try breaking breaking people. Yeah, but don't. Yeah, never 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 break. Of course, but you know, under normal stress, people perform. Yes. It's like in, yeah, like training. Don't train too much, but train you know to stress your body, not uh, stay on the sofa. And and actually, I I totally agree. I mean, I I think in general we tend to underestimate people's ability to to cope and and manage under stress or change that actually people find methods of of coping and i mean this in a very positive sense i'm not saying that like of course there can be stress that it's really destructive and and hurtful but i mean that there's there's a lot of situations where actually change also creates a positive stress reaction that that actually has a positive impact on the individual and on the organization yes and and i would say it's the the underlying shift here, I, I think, of the mindset is this is an adult-to-adult transformation, not an adult-to-children transformation. So yeah. this, this notion of protecting people from stress, you know, not letting your kids watch the bad news, you know, communicating the rosy side of things, not the real side. That is what adults do to kids. Adult-to-adult is a, you know, we know why we're changing, we're doing it together, we have each other's back, we're not, you know, it's not a blind, you know, rush somewhere. And and I think this notion of, like, stop protecting your people, start treating them as responsible adults. I love that. And which, of course, is one of the big, you know, culture shifts in in Agile. I really love that, because I... Every time I hear someone compare like leadership or management to to raising your kids, I'm like, it's not the same thing. You shouldn't think about it like that because it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, or then you get kids because yeah. then then the people start to behave like that. But they might not be the best bankers or or telco operators. <laughs> you know, the bunch of kids running around. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe they would be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, final question. Uh, what's interesting for you now? What are you studying or looking into at the moment? 
I think for me, it's really how to accelerate this change because you know if if we really look at the you know the benefits of agile, I, I think if if you can really boil down beyond all the all the stats and so on, it just really means you know work is actually becoming meaningful for millions of people through the fact that you know they're treated as adults at the work you know they actually get stuff done at the same time you know the the efficiency and you know the the way we actually you know get value out of resources or the value we get of of our time you know our our kind of our well-being it's improved so much so you know if you believe in this you know that means you know every every one million people transformed into agility is is another you know a million people who are significantly more engaged at work and and producing significantly more benefits so so then the question becomes, how do you accelerate that change? Uh, and, and for me, it's really around how to help new industries kind of crack the code. What does it mean for them? You know, be it an airline or a oil and gas company. And, and I think, you know, there's a big, I think, next industries would be around, uh, you know, machinery and, and, and kind of manufacturing and, and this kind of, you know, areas. So the one thing that excites me is like new geographies, new industries. Second thing is, is how do you then kind of start to codify it and how do you kind of start to distill and, and, and really make it kind of more and more accessible? You know, so I, I love this, this research pieces and I try to publish a lot because I, I think it's really kind of understanding, you know, what does it take and, and, and how do you actually do it and so on. And then finally, you know, how do you, how do you kind of build a community of people who can do, do these kind of changes because it's, it's still a kind of contact sport. It's not the fully automated way of, of, of doing agile transformation. So how do you build a group of, of people passionate and, and, and kind of capable of doing these kind of transformations. That's really awesome. Thanks a lot for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Next, you know the drill. Subscribe, share, review, and then listen to a new episode a few weeks from now. Have a great day.